Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. We are live six days a week, Monday through Saturday, two hours a day. News the networks refuse to use always on tap. And as you know, on the Sabbath, we take a quick break and rest. LovingLiberty.net, our nationally syndicated radio network. LibertyGroundTable.com, our website. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. A quick, a quick look back at Wednesday's show. On Thursday, I had a work schedule that I just couldn't handle, so I had to take a to do a rebroadcast. But on Wednesday, we had our guest on James Edwards with us, ThePoliticalCesspool.org, and we talked about Oath Keepers' website got shut down with the riots. Yeah, they say Oath Keepers was right at the center of that whole fiasco, folks. And they were there, but it isn't as you were told. You ought to listen to yesterday's broadcast, Friday's broadcast, because we had Stuart on, and he broke things down from his perspective in detail. Sam and James break down the Biden inauguration. Uh, quote, a peaceful transfer of power, huh? Facebook bans Trump. Candace Owens sues fact checkers. Second hour, we talked about I, Sam Bushman, will not deny the Christ. So we talked about the importance of that. We talked about Inauguration Day. Under God, one nation. Craig DeRoche wrote the piece for the Anti-Policy Alliance. I'm sorry, for the Family Policy Alliance. Wow. Family Policy Alliance. We also talked about Donald Trump's farewell address. The movement we started is only beginning. All right, we'll keep an eye on that ball for you. Will Trump create? A new political third party. The name of the party would be the Patriot Party. Wall Street Journal reporting that. Biden to sign a dozen executive orders on day one in office. But you know what? Wow, did he sign more than that? 30 executive orders within 48 hours. We'll get to that in seconds. Biden plan gives 11 million a path to U.S. citizenship. Thousands marching in migrant caravan trying to demand the Biden administration keep its promises and let them in. Yeah, man, somebody's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell, that's for sure. Dumped Sydney Powell, sad to say she releases her Kraken lawsuit. She dropped her legal action less than 24 hours before Biden inauguration, Joe Kovacs. Yeah, I don't know why Sydney Powell voluntarily dropped her lawsuit, but she did. Clinton and Pelosi are now floating a conspiracy theory that Trump and Putin are working together for the riots and everything else. The mob would fed lies. McConnell turns on Trump. Trump provoked capital riot, says McConnell. Shame on McConnell. 
Twitter won't let Joe Biden inherit Trump's millions of followers. The Biden team is mad about that. Climate Nerve Center and Biden White House. Yeah, Biden will bring with him the largest team of climate change experts ever in the White House. Spike Lee compares Trump voters to Nazis and slave owners. American Update. NRA files for bankruptcy tries to move to Texas. We'll keep an eye on that ball, see how it all goes. That was Wednesday's show. Still available at LovingLiberty.net and LibertyRoundTable.com. Friday's show. We had on Stuart Rhodes, president and founder of OathKeepers.org. By the way, the OathKeepers website's back up. It's great news. Now, here's the interesting thing. Listen carefully to these headlines. Fake news. FBI chases masterminds of riot plots. The New York Times. Yeah, believe it or not, a criminal complaint filed alleges conspiracy and other crimes against three members of the Oath Keepers. They say the three have been arrested. They communicated on Facebook. They say somebody was in the mix from the inside, egging them on and providing information and details of where the uh, legislators were so they could try to find legislators, etc. Now, the FBI, though, alleges these things. Well, it turns out to be completely bogus. Let me lay it out for you. So the FBI and the government claims there was three Oath Keepers there. Turns out that Thomas Caldwell of Virginia and Donovan Crowell of Ohio, they're not even members of Oath Keepers, ladies and gentlemen. Did you hear me? So the FBI says they have three Oath Keeper members, but Stuart Rose looked through the records of Oath Keepers and says, look, these two, Donald Crowell and Thomas Caldwell, we don't even know these guys, and they're not Oath Keepers at all. Furthermore, the third person is an Oath Keeper. Her name is Jessica. Let's see. Jessica Watkins, she is a member. But you know what? She deserves the due process of law, and she's innocent until proven guilty, number one. And she might have done some of the things. She did go into the Capitol, et cetera, et cetera. No one's denying that. But what Stewart says is she's not in leadership of the Oath Keepers at all, and she's actually the leader of her own militia. So anybody can become a member of the Oath Keepers. All you got to do is go to OathKeepers.org. They'll start vetting people harder now because of the abuse. But turns out two of the three were not even Oath Keepers. One of them is certainly not high level and has their own militia group and not a decision maker in Oath Keepers at all. So Stuart Rhodes says prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. Those people responsible, including whoever. But let's be honest and not throw our people under the bus. And let's give people the benefit of the doubt and find out what really happened and make sure people are innocent until proven guilty. Stuart Rhodes says we need to organize now and for the future and not fall into false flags. They're traps that further the enemy's goals, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be very careful indeed. Prepare for calms down. That means communications down and lights out, he says. That was hour one with Stuart Rhodes. Hour two, we had Dr. Scott Bradley with me to preserve the nation. We talked about Joe Biden and his intellectually dishonest call for unity. Sam Bushman and Richard Mack are creating a website. It's not up yet, but it's called callforcivility.com. I, I want to reject unity, and I want to stand on the civility idea. Unity means you got to go along with murdering babies, abortion like Joe Biden. Murdering babies I'm not willing to go along with. I'm not unified. I'm not united on that at all. Uh, same thing with this idea that we're going to create these domestic terrorists. I agree we need to stop terrorism everywhere. But what is a domestic terrorist? Is that somebody that believes that uh, the election was a fraud? I do believe the election was a fraud. Anthony Fossey, for example, says Joe Biden will revoke the Mexico City policy. 
Yeah, that's where we, you know, fund abortions around the world, international abortions funded by our tax dollars. All right. Joe wants to, you know, jettison that. He wants to revoke the Mexico City policy. I'm not united on that. I disagree with him. I can be polite and civil about my disagreement, but I'm telling you, I'll never agree. Abortion, by the way, would be classified as murder under a new Mississippi bill introduced into the state's legislator, legislature. And I do agree. Abortion is murder. Ten, um, Mississippi's right. This lawmaker's right on this issue. Good for him. Right? His name is Dan Eubanks putting together this legislation. Good for him. Leo Terrell questioned on Thursday's Fox program. Where's the outrage over all the violent prod? Um, protests that took place in Portland, Seattle, and Denver. You know what? How come everybody's not raging about that? I mean, they're raging about the Capitol. And then the hosts are saying, well, it's different. That, you know, the Capitol's, you know, that's for our leaders. And, um, you know, Terrell's like, what? Are you talking about we have different classes of people? It's, it's exactly the same. When you destroy property and create violence anywhere, it's wrong and it needs to stop. Why the double standard was the point. Great point. Amen. All right, with that, that's the recap of two previous shows available at LovingLiberty.net and LibertyRoundtable.com. Spread the word. Tell your neighbor and donate liberally today, would you please? All right, we have two guests on. First guest, Eldon Stahl, is with us. He is the new man for our area, for the John Burt Society. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Thank you, Sam. Glad to be here. All right, that summary, uh, any quick comments on that summary? Two days of broadcasting there. Well, I, I know we're getting a little bit into election integrity and uh, about the executive orders that uh, that Biden is doing. A lot of them seem like they're trying to overturn, overturn what Trump had done. Yeah, they're and, doing uh, that for sure. What do you think about that Stuart Rhodes thing? They're literally trying to take down the Oath Keepers, and two out of the three weren't even Oath Keepers. Yeah, that's really shameful that they try to do stuff like that. And by the way, did anybody tell you that? Did anybody get the uh, the word straight from uh, Stuart Rose or straight from the Oath Keeper leadership and two out of the three aren't even Oath Keepers? Did anybody tell you that piece? Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard that. But, you know, that's one thing that we've encouraged our members to with the John Bird Society to avoid doing kind of uh, – uh, you might say demonstrations and things like that, as far as tactics, uh, because the, we know from the past study uh, that a lot of these nefarious groups, including the communists, uh, tried to uh, um, infiltrate them and then take them into uh, violent things. It only takes a few of them to do that, and they're trained well to do that. And the proven point is right before our very eyes, aka January the sixth. Eldon Stahl with us, ladies and gentlemen. He's field coordinator. For the John Birch Society, jbs.org. I've also got the good Sheriff Richard Mack with me, cspoa.org, and he's on the road right now. Hi, Sheriff. Hey, Sam. It's great to be with you this beautiful Saturday morning. Amen to that. You're on the road, right? Where are you? I'm in Yakima, Washington. Yakima. (laughs) We had a great meeting yesterday with Sheriff Songer of uh, Clickatack County and then another sheriff... Uh, came by uh, with his undersheriff, and they both spoke, and it was a great meeting. All right, we got a great show coming up. Great meetings and details. Sheriff Mack with us, Eldon Stahl with us. 48 hours. We'll talk about it. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my headline is this. Biden went berserk. Oh, yeah. Biden's executive orders, about 30 of them in 48 hours. Eat at Trump's legacy is the headline. Uh, And the list of Trump's initiatives that have been rolled back through Biden executive orders are legion, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, they're saying that they don't even know if Trump realizes how temporary executive orders can be. Um, Trump thought he could create a legacy, but you know what? (laughs) In 48 hours, um, really a significant portion of what Trump tried to accomplish got shut down by Biden, and Biden's at it with a flurry. Let's start with Sheriff Richard Mack on this one. Uh, what do you say to that, Sheriff? I mean, he is going hog wild on, in my opinion, unconstitutional executive orders. And we criticize Trump for the same thing, by the way. Yeah, we have. And, and that's the problem with uh, executive orders in general. Uh, they're easily granted and they're easily taken away. And uh, they're wrong. Uh, the only place that a president can issue executive orders is one that he did and that's the uh, Biden has now made it mandatory to wear a mask on federal property that is where the president can as CEO uh, and director of federal uh, rules and regulations for federal employees he can do that uh, all the rest Trump wasn't supposed to do them and Biden isn't supposed to be doing them either so 
it becomes a political football between presidential executive orders of what they're not supposed to be doing. Now, I believe and executive I get, orders were designed I, to let the president, you know, make small, you know, legitimate, detailed changes within his own administration. Da, da, da. They were never intended to clash with the legislative body and make or manipulate or change law. What happens if you're not very careful and you make executive orders as the president? Instead of running your own internal departmental affairs as the executive branch, what you do is you um, violate and steal authority from uh, not only the legislative body but the uh, judicial bodies uh, as well. And I find it very constitutionally uh, problematic. Uh, but they've been doing it for decades. What happens yeah. is conservatives, when an executive order does something they like, they applaud it. Uh, and I understand to some degree if that's the only way you can get something done, you're going, well, at least something's done. I understand. But constitutionally, Eldon Stahl, it's a nightmare, sir. Yeah, it, basically it it converts gradually the president into a king uh, or dictator. We don't want that. Uh, that's something that is, uh, you know, we've fought a war to get out of, literally. And uh, the history of kings in the uh, in Europe and many countries is uh, not very pretty, is it? So, uh, yeah, executive orders, they can apply uh, according to law already established to govern uh, executive agencies, departments, things like that that are created, but they are not something that would be, should be used as a decree to affect you and me, the average person who doesn't work for the federal government. Uh, so that, that's, uh, you know, an abuse of that. All right, there you have it. Now, there's so many things he's done. Let me give you kind of an idea. He's got 30 executive orders in 48 hours, and here's what he's done. He's rolled back, all right, restoring the country's commitment to funding the World Health Organization. So he restored funding to the WTO, or, or WHO, the WHO. He rejoined the Paris Climate Accords, reversing Trump's ban on immigration from several predominantly Muslim countries. He halted immigration enforcement relating to the country's interior. He uh, shut down the funding of the border wall. He ensures protections for gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender workers. They say undermined by Trump appointees. Um, so he killed the Keystone Pipeline uh, in the permit there. He reimposed the ban on drilling in the Arctic Wildlife Refuge. He put new ethics rule or opposed new ethics rules, tossed out Trump's 1776 commission report. Uh, all I can tell you is this thing is massive. What he's done, um, it's hard to know where we stand. I mean, we make law and break law and everything else. In my opinion, it's probably like both presidents should be arrested with all their making laws and determining uh, the outcome of laws. And I mean, they, the executive branch really breaches the legislative and the judicial bodies big time. How come they're not up in arms, Eldon? Well, you know, back in the progressive era, uh, I, you know, back in the early 20th century, the, the selling point for this was let's create all these agencies, and this was done at the state level too, and they said, well, this, is the, this will be more efficient. This will be uh, so much better than just uh, the arduous, inefficient task of going through the legislative process and all this, right? And now we've gotten to the point where 
we find that, um, you know, efficient doesn't necessarily mean better government. The most efficient government is probably the guillotine, right? Uh, that's, that's very efficient, but not exactly a good protector of our liberties, is it? So, uh, you know, that's, that's what's uh, been going on here, but, uh, of course, by degrees. And little by little, we've had more and more regulation uh, outside of the judicial, outside of the legislative process, and we've taken the brunt of that uh, um, burden over time. All right, Sheriff, what do you say? I say that uh, the president has no authority, whether it be Biden or Trump, both of them, in my opinion, used executive orders violating the separation of powers, uh, really bordering on criminal activity, both of them. They don't have the authority to make law or interpret law. Uh, that's correct, and Ellen's absolutely correct. And uh, this has been, I guess, watered down, uh, and and the lines between the legislative branch and the executive branch have been watered down uh, to where you can't even recognize the, the separations anymore. And Obama was probably the best one at it. Uh, well, if the legislature won't cooperate with me, then I'll just go over their head and make executive orders. Uh, he's not a legislator, and he, uh, it's really something else because right after the preamble – uh, the United States Constitution starts with uh, all legislative power is vested in a Congress consisting of the Senate and the House of Representatives. All, 100 percent of laws can only be made by the legislative branch, period. But again, we see uh, how uh, both Democrats and Republicans uh, really don't care what the Constitution says, and neither one of them follow it. And, and by the way, along with this same topic, uh, I, I've got a paragraph to read out of the Christian Science Monitor whenever you get a chance. Okay, we'll do that in just a second. For Eldon, quickly, though, you know, I'm criticizing what the presidents are doing. I'm telling you that it borders on criminal activity because they violate their oath of office when they obliterate uh, or erase the separation of powers via the branches of government, legislative, judicial, uh, executive. But they also violate uh, states and states' rights, so you got vertical and horizontal uh, divisions of power intentionally to protect people from government getting too powerful. Bill Clinton tried to abuse his authority, reach into the local uh, state and county levels, and, uh, well, they ran into Richard Mack, and the good Sheriff <laughs> Mack and Billy yep. Bob Clinton rolled to the Supreme Court, and Bill was going to arrest the good sheriff, and the sheriff said, I don't think so. And Well, anyway, Sheriff Mack beat Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court, but this is where we need people to stand up. However, Eldon, we need people to understand uh, when they stand up to do so in an educated manner. What everybody wants to do now is blame it on the Constitution, push for a con-con or seceding from the Union. or I mean, we can go on and on and on what they propose. None of them propose the things that I'm proposing, which is, hey, hold the president accountable if that's what he's doing. Hold the legislative bodies accountable if that's what they're doing. Hold the courts. Uh, there are ways to deal with the abuse of powers, uh, and it isn't go to, um, oh, what do you want to say, incendiary, blow up the whole thing levels? Right. And, uh, you know, one of the ways, of course, uh, in retrospect, I, it's easier to say this, but uh, to avoid the abuse of power is don't give people a power that is easily abused. Uh, so that's, you know, one thing. Uh, but part of that is educating people as to why it's important 
that only the legislative branch, the people that we directly elect, that's easy to throw out relatively uh, every several years, why it's important to only give them the power over their purse or power to declare war or power to make laws over us, rather than a president of the United States who is much more similar to a king or an oligarchy in the judiciary, right? Sad tale, true story, continued breakdown on Liberty Roundtable Live. The good sheriff from the road, Richard Mack with us. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org. And we've got our buddy Eldon Stahl with us. John Burt Society, JBS.org in seconds. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. Legendary broadcaster Larry King has died. The 87-year-old hospitalized last month after getting the coronavirus. No cause of death revealed. The Larry King Show aired on CNN from 1985 to 2010. Democrats may once again come up short in their efforts to convict President Trump. It would take 17 Republican senators to join all 50 Democrats to convict Trump in his upcoming impeachment trial, but CNN reports only a handful of GOP senators may do so. Some say holding an impeachment trial for a former president is unconstitutional. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer responding yesterday. Now, I've heard some of my Republican colleagues argue that this trial would be unconstitutional because Donald Trump is no longer in office. An argument that has been roundly repudiated, debunked, by hundreds of constitutional scholars, left, right, and center, and defies basic common sense. The trial is set to start February 9th. This is USA Radio News. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs, too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today. And check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. The president targeting the poor in his latest COVID relief actions. President Biden yesterday signing two executive orders, one expanding food assistance, the other calling for stimulus checks for those who don't make enough to file taxes. He says his relief plan will get us back on track quicker. With our American Rescue Plan, our economy would return to full employment a, a full year faster than without the plan. Biden adds how we respond to this crisis is a reflection of our values and we have to act now. Biden also sharing a grim COVID forecast yesterday. He says the U.S. could have another 200,000 COVID deaths over the next few months. That would bring our death toll to over 600,000. Biden adds there's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. Meanwhile, a key member of President Trump's COVID task force revealing the toll the job took on her. Dr. Deborah Burks tells CBS she always thought of quitting. Burks recently retired, but she says she's willing to help the Biden administration if needed. The full interview will air tomorrow in Face the Nation. This is USA Radio News. 
All right. Ellen Stahl, Richard Mack, yours truly on your radio. Biden's unconstitutional executive orders, 30 of them in 48 hours, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But before you get uh, all bundled up and confused, hey, I'm telling you that Donald Trump's executive orders were wrong also. Uh, There's never a plan constitutionally for executive orders to, you know what, create and interpret and make and whatever law you want and then abolish it in a whim. So the idea that one president could put all this stuff in place and then another president could literally destroy it all in two days, that was never the intent of the founders. And we're literally allowing these branches of government to obliterate the separation of powers and chip away uh, at the separation of powers to the point where now I don't even know who's really criticizing it and speaking out against it but me. Now, there's organizations that have for a long time, JBS, John Birch Society and others, they've done a great job at this. But right now, though, I don't know that I'm the only – I think I'm probably the only host really bringing this up in a serious fashion. Others are like, oh, Sam, they just do it all the time. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't make it right. And I know, but we should stand against it, right? Uh, that's kind of where we are. Anyway, bottom line, any final thoughts on that, Eldon? Well, we – one of the, one of the outgrowths of this a related thing is the reason that Trump I think did a lot of these executive orders was because he found very quickly that the Congress wasn't going to go along with him. Especially his first two years, he was working against Republicans who liked to talk very good game, but once they got in office, they really were not serious about uh, what doing and delivering. But Trump was. True story. And you know what? All presidents feel like their agenda is stymied and they've got to get a move on and get it done and keep campaign promises and la da 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 da. And I get that. I also get, though, that yep. hey, they violate the law when they do that. And, you know, I appreciate your yep. good intentions, but the road to heck was paved with. Anyway, I go on. All right. What do you think, Sheriff? Any final word on this? Yeah, I think it's one of the things that's destroying our our constitution and the destruction uh, equally belongs to the Republicans and Democrats and uh, their lack of concern for uh, constitutional propriety. And it's just amazing. Uh, Oh, and I also want to congratulate Eldon on his new uh, position. And and also a question, Eldon, uh, have we ever met? Uh, Down in Sioux Falls when he came there. Oh, That was a few years back, yeah. (laughs) all right all right there you have it ladies and gentlemen now let's talk about though we kind of you know highlighted the conservative executive orders primarily biden but trump too we just got to be fair but we also need to talk about trump's accomplishments uh for president eldon and people are putting together long lists of these accomplishments uh thank heavens because joe biden took them all off of the uh, white house website now so i'm glad people are preserving them elsewhere sir yeah, one of the things, of course, uh, Trump is probably one of his best accomplishments, I would say, is uh, he didn't get us into any new wars. Uh, the the consequences of that are probably going to be felt for generations, uh, because for years and years, presidents have gotten us into more and more wars. And uh, the, the money, the loss of life, the... Uh, breakup of families, all the negative consequences of these wars have been felt. And uh, uh, so this that's actually a, a great thing that he, it, it's kind of like he did something or, or he lacked doing something that many had done in the past. <laughs> so I just want to put that one out there. Uh, 
lifting the regulatory burden and the taxation burden has been quite a, a significant thing. I think trying to get uh, businesses just unleashed to produce, and that's that's been a, a big boon to uh, to our economy. And but, but unfortunately, Biden's been able to undo some of that. So that's that's certainly a, a good thing that Trump has been able to do. The border wall. Uh, regulation, you might say, control, trying to control massive immigration. Um, now, I'm not against immigration, but trying to at least uh, make sure that immigration is not used for uh, political purposes, trying to overturn our uh, system of government, as the Democrats have largely done, and some of the Republicans as well tried to do. That's that's certainly a good thing. So that's that's kind of a start. <laughs> Um, ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of things President Trump has done that are really, really, really noteworthy and good. And Eldon and Sheriff Mack, I just emailed you an article from WND.com, World Net Daily. Hundreds okay. of Trump accomplishments finally put into a single list. Uh, and our buddy Art Moore over at WND wrote the article. Now, here's what happened. He pointed to the website on the White House website, and he said, hey, here's all the accomplishments that Donald has put together that he's accomplished. And then they say, but it'll only be up till next Wednesday. That was the, you know, inauguration day there. Uh, and then they say, but we got a PDF of it right here because they knew that it would be taken down. Highlighted that reality. It's already down on the White House website, but it's preserved by WND.com. Sheriff, do you want to respond to that one? <laughs> well, uh, you can't be surprised by that. And, uh, you know, the whole thing of the Democrats, the reason that they've impeached him before and the reason they're trying to impeach him now, even after he's out of office, uh, is because he's made them look bad. They're extremely vindictive because of that. If he had been another George Bush, either one, the senior or junior, uh, there would have been no problem. Uh, because everybody, they're really mad when people don't uh, unify with them, which means you start being like them and you, the, the Democrats never compromise. They don't go back uh, and say, well, maybe we could compromise this and reach across the aisle. They only reach across the aisle if they get people like John McCain to come and join them uh, and Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. If you'll reach out and come to them, then they call that reaching across the aisle and, and unity and, and working together. There's no such thing as that with the Democrats. It's you come and do it our way. That's the only way you uni unify with them. So Trump here comes out against abortion, uh, makes it a, a real issue for once uh, from the White House. Here he comes and creates the best economy for minorities that the Democrats have preached and preached and preached that they would do and never have done. And he makes this, that's probably, as far as the Democrats go, the biggest accomplishment of Donald Trump. He made them look stupid. He made them look like liars. He made them look like they, and the truth of the matter is, that they don't care about poverty or minorities, which they never have. They just like to uh, pontificate about how they take care of minorities so that they'll keep voting for them. And Eldon's absolutely correct. Alluding to illegal immigration, 
they want those people here to vote and monopolize the Democrat Party across the country. And, and that's exactly what has happened. Uh, they're willing to risk national security to open those borders. And it is a huge national risk. Trump, on the other hand, did just the opposite. Trump, on the other hand, said that we would become energy independent. And for the first time in five decades, we are. And now, of course, Biden, with a stroke of his pen, is undoing all of that. And and that's, a, a again, a, a national security uh, disaster, as well as an economic disaster. And And so... When you make the Democrats look bad, of course, they're going to try to impeach you every other month. And Amen exactly to that reality. That so World Net Daily, Art Moore yeah. points to this, a couple of the things. Economic boom, tax relief, deregulation, fair trade, energy independence. That's all they highlight. But I want to highlight my favorite thing President Trump has done. Uh, and that is two things. One, pro-life. Richard Mack already highlighted it, but I really think that's one of the biggest things ever. And under Donald Trump, he was the first president to speak at the pro-life rallies that happen every year. Uh, under Biden now, I guess they had to shut down the physical one, and they're only going to do it virtual this year. So if that doesn't give you any indication, I don't know what will. Uh, but the second one, and I think just as important, is Donald Trump really stood up for uh, not jettisoning your religion at the government school door. Uh, President Trump boldly stood up for you have the right to pray in school. You have the right to bring your Bible. If you want to have a Bible study or a Bible club or read your Bible at lunch or whatever else. And so President Trump really made a big deal about, hey, you don't lose your religion when you roll into the government schools. Now, I reject the government schools entirely. Different topic. But my point is, though, he stood up for religious liberty uh, big time as well. And that'll be obliterated under Biden. Eldon. Yeah, he was uh, standing up really openly for, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, and uh, let's recognize uh, the importance of God and morality in, in uh, the public sphere. Uh, to his credit, he's done so much in that way, and uh, certainly there's many people in government that just want to get rid of that and say it's irrelevant or, uh, or maybe even bad just to talk about religion, right? Amen. So Richard Mack brought up his uh, favorite things. I brought up a couple. Eldon's next. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Mack and Eldon Stahl and Sam Bushman on your radio. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal one aim a strategy like the heroic christians of the past we win they lose nothing less big q little q the calm before the storm by a friend of megagoria the strategy of heaven revealed big q little q the calm before the storm available on amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. All right, good chair, Richard Mack with us for the road. Eldon Stahl with us, field coordinator for the John Birch Society, and Sam Bushman, breaking down the whirlwind that's happened over the last couple of weeks from the violation of the checks and balances by both presidents to uh, executive orders that are unconstitutional to accomplishments by President Trump. He has accomplished a lot in four years. He never got to be a two-term two-term president due to vote fraud, in my opinion. Nevertheless, Eldon Stahl, what do you say uh, about his accomplishments, though? Do you have a favorite few? Yeah, I'd like to highlight three three things that Trump that can never be taken away from Trump's accomplishments by executive order, by law, by judicial fiat, anything like that, uh, and they're educational in nature. Three things that Trump pointed out that have made people much more aware, I think, to their advantage in America. One is the existence of what he called the deep state, uh, the idea that there's people behind the scenes and that they're doing things and machinations to undermine our liberty. Uh, that's kind of a new idea for many, but something that the John Burr Society has been making people aware of over many years. But finally, Trump has been kind of a at least, yeah, they've been doing people... it for a long, as long as you and yes. I have been alive, Hilden. Yes, and longer. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it's something that at least now the average person, they many people, they recognize to at least some degree the idea of what Trump calls the deep state. Uh, very positive uh, change in outlook for many Americans, so we can talk about these things uh, in a much more, you might say, open, intelligent manner rather than. Uh, just name-calling or something. Uh, another one has been talking about the push for globalism, as Trump has called it, or the, the importance of putting America first in our foreign policy, rather than just saying, okay, let's just uh, have everything taken over by international organizations, including the United Nations. Um, he, didn't, he didn't call for getting out of the U.N., but he got us out of some U.N. things, which is certainly a, a step in the right direction. And many people are, are becoming a, much more aware, compared to when the Bushes and Clinton was president and Obama, that, hey, you know, globalism isn't necessarily such a positive thing. You can put a positive spin on it, but uh, if, if it means overturning our independence, not so good. Um, so that's, that, that's been 
uh, really good. And Trump pointing out that the media, much of the mainstream media, is, as he put it, the enemy of the people. They're uh, acting as propagandists. They're, uh, they're trying to push all this fear about COVID and so many other things. And uh, so people are looking more and more toward alternative media sources, something that they can actually trust rather than something that's just going to uh, have some uh, agenda that's going to be to our disadvantage as uh, citizens and uh, people that want to be a free people. So those things can really never be taken away from Trump. Amen to that. And that's great news. Um, I also kind of find it interesting how you've got two groups. Well, there's three groups of people, right? There's the never Trumpers and they hate Trump and want to down Trump at every turn, even no matter what he does. They want to just diss on the Donald. Yep. Uh, and they're the never Trumpers, and they've got these Trump derangement syndrome, for sure. Then there's the always Trumpers. And I submit yeah. to you that they have Trump derangement syndrome, maybe even worse. It's hard to tell. But they're always Trumping. If you ever bring up anything that's not total Trump, then you're somehow uh, like an enemy. And you uh, are... Um, disloyal, you're going to ruin the country. I mean, I don't know what they go to, but they, they go to extreme levels, the always Trumpers. And then there's a, a few people, this is this, probably the smallest segment of the population, that are like me. And what I do is I simply look at a principle based on the Founding Fathers' educational you know, teachings, Federalist Papers, Anti-Federalist Papers, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Scriptures, the Declaration of Independence. You know, I use all these sources. And then I look at a principle and say, hey, if they're on the right side of the principle, I praise them. And if they're not on the right side of the principle, then I disagree with them and I articulate why I'm disagreeing or why I think it ought to be different. And I point out in every case, to the best of my ability, uh, what I believe the solutions should be or are. Um, because I believe that's the most um, civil but appropriate way uh, to kind of go on record. I do my best to stand with principle every time. And then it doesn't matter. It's not a matter of Sam being right. It's a matter of hopefully Sam's on the right side of, of history, on the right side of principle, on God's side, whatever you want to. Um, you know, however you want to articulate that, depending on the situation, fine. I bring this up, though, because it seems to me that now that Trump's even left, people still have this ideology of always Trumper, never Trumper, or uh, the few of us say, I'm going to give credit when credit's due, and I'm not when it's not. And, Sheriff, you want to start there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you're, you've hit it right on the head, and I, I really liked Eldon's list also uh, it was fantastic and it brought out some of the things all of us have been fighting against for a long time and trying to make uh, the world and especially the american people wake up to but uh, you know you're right sam the the trump derangement syndrome has gone both both sides of uh, of the scale uh, to to extremities that really are unreasonable and 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 what I think we've done on your show for the last four and a half years, Sam, is that we've we've pointed out where Trump was wrong and that he was misguided. But we also pointed out where he was unique and uh, doing things that, for once, a politician making a promise actually tried to keep his word. Uh, and that's been unique about Trump. And it was the reason that uh, so many people voted for him. It was the reason I voted for him, because he shoved it in the face of the John McCain's and the Nancy Pelosi's, and he shoved it in the face of mainstream political correctness on both major parties. He also shoved it in the face of the media. 
and he called them out, and he called out the deep state, and he pointed out the deep state, just as you pointed out. And, and I think that um, he was brave in that. And just as he said in his uh, farewell address, he didn't always take the easy way. He didn't always take the way that, oh, well, I might get criticized for this, so I better not do it. He he didn't care about the criticism or the disdain uh, from from the media or the left or or even his own Republican people. And that's why I admired him, and that's why I voted for him. Yes, and I think oftentimes, too, we've given him the benefit of the doubt when he's done something that's not quite right. We've said at least the principle's right, even if he may not be going about it in the right way. Uh, Or oftentimes we'll say, you know what, maybe he hasn't accomplished. And I'll give you an example of this. Just, uh, I don't know, three or four minutes ago on this show, Eldon was speaking and says, hey, you know what, President Trump didn't get us out of the U.N. all the way. Of course, we would love it if he would. Don't misunderstand me, but he didn't. But we're not here to beat him up for that. What Eldon was saying is, but he's done his very best to uh, dismantle certain things within the U.N. So this is an example where, you know what, a lot of people might criticize him and say, well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. We're trying to find ways to give him credit for what he did do, even if it's not uh, as much or as detailed or as finite as we would like. Um, Eldon, I think that's an important point to mention as well about President Trump. We've given him the benefit of the doubt whenever we can. Yeah, and, and particularly with the U.N., of course, it would take an act of Congress to get out of the United Nations. So uh, President Trump would not be able to do that himself. But, yeah, he could get us out of certain things, which he did. So certainly give him credit, right? Um, he's He's been uh, overall quite good. Uh, you know, I, I could raise a, a couple of uh, criticisms on things that I disagreed with him on. Uh, and but uh, overall, it's it's been a breath of fresh air compared to so many presidents in the past. Uh, Trump has been uh, uh, breaking the mold in, in many ways, and of course that's why so many of these people uh, just despised him, wanted to get rid of him, wanted to be so vindictive and petty toward him. Uh, and that's what we're seeing, I, I think, overall with the, this the new impeachment thing is just uh, uh, just trying to rub salt in the wound or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, they want to make sure that he loses control of the Republican Party so that others like Mitch McConnell and, and Kirk can step into the mix. One of the things we need to consider, though, is the importance of Congress, how to get a constitutional Congress. You know, a lot of these things that we're worried about Joe Biden doing, if Congress had a backbone and didn't let the president seize power and steal power from their legislative body, etc., if they were willing to stand up with a backbone, we wouldn't be really near as concerned uh, if we had proper representation in Congress, Eldon. Yeah, that's right. You know, over time, what's happened, unfortunately, as to our detriment as voters, is Congress has given away, seated, delegated uh, authority to to all kinds of different locations that uh, they never should have done, and that's really to our detriment. It's it's to people that are less accountable to us. Uh, Congress has. You know, we talk about co-equal branches so often. That's really a myth. Uh, If you look at the Constitution, the longest part in the Constitution, in the original four pages of the Constitution, is the legislative branch. That's Congress. And that's the people that are the most accountable to you and me. They have power to declare war, to pass laws that affect all of us, to spend money or not spend money. Uh, they could end the Federal Reserve. They could get us out of the U.N. Uh, they could 
create or abolish federal courts, abolish the bureaucracy. Can you imagine? Of course, if there's a shooting match between the president or maybe it's even the Supreme Court, uh, the the, uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court, if there's a shooting match and disagreement, ultimately Congress can impeach and remove those people. So they have really, Congress really has the trump card, but they've they've petered away so much stuff <laughs> uh, to our detriment that uh, we've got to get them to really take back their power and use it. Sheriff, <laughs> well, Eldon. Uh oh, you still there, Sheriff? Uh-oh. Okay. All right. I Hope think he we, calls back in. I think we lost the sheriff. I'll, I'll have him call back in. We're at the end of the oh. hour, this hour, anyway. I think we really need to kind of realize that Congress does have a responsibility. Congress does have uh, an obligation to jealously guard their, um, what do you want to say, their jurisdiction of power, their uh, zone of authority is what I might call it, uh, their constitutional provisions. Uh, Sheriff, I was mentioning Congress has a responsibility to jealously guard their authority. Yeah, they do, and they've uh, failed miserably. And uh, so many of them act like the president is a dictator. Uh, And he is absolutely uh, not. And he has very little power. Where he has power, it is uh, universal uh, and uh, but uh, he has very limited power, but but so does the judicial branch. And you're right, the Congress is the one with the most broad power. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the hour. We'll come back. Sam Bushman, Eldon Stahl, JBS.org, Sheriff Max, CSPOA.org, and we've got a lot more to break down, ladies and gentlemen. I believe this has been an educational hour. Uh, an hour where we've given credit where credit's due. Is there any credit that Biden should get for anything ever? Will be the question as we kick off hour two on your radio. Does Biden ever get credit? Will he ever get credit? Will we ever agree? Will we ever? Let's talk about that, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll do so <laughs> in seconds. Liberty Roundtable Live. I'm Sam Bushman. Uh, and Sam Bushman, Richard Mack, and Eldon Stahl, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for January the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is hour two of two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country. LovingLiberty.net, LibertyRoundTable.com, our websites. We have two gentlemen riding shotgun on the broadcast today. Sheriff Richard Mack with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. I'm a lifetime member and highly recommend you become one as well. CSPOA.org. And the good sheriff right now is on the road in Yakima. Is that what they say? 
Yeah, I think that's how they say it. Yakima, Washington. All right. And the good sheriff is speaking and telling the tale of liberty and the importance of the uh, county sheriff, America's last hope, and the whole bit there uh, in conjunction with sheriffs and, and other people to educate and help people understand the importance of the checks and balances and the proper role in jurisdictions that make this country great in the first place. We also have Eldon Stahl on the radio with us. He is the new field coordinator for the JBS. That is the John Birch Society. And we're breaking down all kinds of stuff on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. We are telling the tale of liberty like nobody's business. And last hour, we talked about Biden's unconstitutional executive orders, 30 of them in 48 hours. White House lists hundreds of Trump's accomplishments. We listed several of them as well. But is Trump derangement syndrome? A real mental condition? I think the answer is yes. You, always, you got the never-Trumpers, the always-Trumpers, and then the rest of us, you know. You got the importance of Congress and how to get a constitutional Congress. Uh, we didn't really get the how-to on the constitutional Congress enough, Eldon. Let's start there for a quick second. How the heck do we get one of those, man, with vote fraud and people completely ignorant all around us? And Man, is it even possible, sir? Well, you bring up vote fraud, and certainly that would be a priority uh, up and beyond that, because, of course, if we're going to elect a constitutional Congress, we've got to be able to have confidence in the voting. Uh, so that's certainly a, a thing. And, and fortunately, uh, John Birch Society is, is putting together, we're going to have tools and all, all kinds of things to help people, uh, probably for the first time in our history, with the John Birch Society over 62 years, uh, to really push back on these things that have undermined our voter integrity. Uh, but uh, I, I like to tell a, a brief story about, um, you've heard of Christy Noem from South Dakota now, I'm sure. Oh, of course, sir. So when, when I, I was living there in South Dakota, she was congresswoman at the time, and she came to town, and she kind of, she did her presentation, this PowerPoint on how basically the spending at the federal level was unsustainable. And everybody nodded their head and said, thank you, Christy Noem, for fighting for us. You're the only sane one in Congress, and everybody else is, is just bonkers. And then the question and answer period started. Uh, Congresswoman Noem, what are you going to do about funding my pet project? Congresswoman Noem, I'm concerned about this losing money. Can you make sure that it increases uh, funding? And so there was this kind of uh, disconnect, it seemed like, with the people. They wanted their congressional representative to talk the good talk, but when, they, when it came down to action, they wanted them to do the opposite. Yeah, they want a 4th of July politician. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, very good way to put it. Um, and so my, I could, you know, our reaction could be, okay, let's go criticize Christy Noem or whoever it is. So let's go bash her. But really, the ref, uh, Congress is a reflection of us, the voters. Um, if we want somebody like that that talks a good talk and then uh, sends us the bacon, brings home the bacon, that's what we'll get. But if we insist that they, un, that they follow the Constitution, that means we have to understand the Constitution, then they'll vote accordingly. So uh, we've, we've got to have an educational effort in the congressional districts to make sure that there's a constituency that's going to support somebody when they stand up for the Constitution, when they say, you know what, Congress doesn't have any business doing that. I know you like, uh, you'd like to have it, some of you, but I'm not going to vote for it, or what, what have you. Uh, so that's what we've 
been working on, uh, you know, with the John Birch Society. Basically, it means we've got to organize and educate the voters on especially how their congressional representatives voted with regard to the Constitution. Right now, we've got something called the Freedom Index, which I recommend everybody go to thenewamerican.com. Click on Freedom Index, and you can get you can download the PDF of the current one. You can also go back, I think it's to 1999 or 1997, and see how all these congressional uh, people voted in the past. And that's really helpful, when they're run, especially when they're running for president and they've been in Congress. You can see how they voted. And uh, you know that it, whether they're blowing smoke or, or actually the real deal, you might say. Ladies and gentlemen, this is critical. Uh, Sheriff Mack, do you want one of those Fourth of July politicians? Uh, uh, we have a lot of them. Sounds like uh, a quote. Sounds like a quote from uh, Thomas Paine, the summer soldier and sunshine patriot. You know, um, and we have a lot of those too. Uh, and I, I really, I really think you have something there because uh, Governor Nome. Uh, is probably the best governor in the entire country. But people have been so dumbed down and brainwashed that they have no insight and no knowledge whatsoever as to what the proper role of government is. And Christy Nome has actually come out with that and said, no, we don't have the authority to shut you down. Uh, And there's a lot of people in her state that don't understand that, that there is a principle of liberty that governors are not allowed to violate, even if it's for your, quote, own good. And and so I, I'm really, I, I'm really uh, anxious to see more governors fall in line with the principles of, of liberty, but I wouldn't hold your breath because the, the dumbing down and brainwashing has pretty much taken over. Don't say that, Sheriff. And I'll tell you why I don't want you to say that. Because we need to remember, even though it looks grim, I'll be the first to agree with that. The fact is, though, we the people still, whether we understand this or not, and we need to make sure we understand this, we still have the power and the authority. Okay, just because they've obliterated checks and balances vertically and horizontally in America. You know, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, you know what? They derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, which means us. And we are still the under God sovereigns. And government only has whatever power we have uh, given to us by God as sovereigns that we allow government to have. In other words, government derives its just power from us. That means that they can't just do whatever they want. So it looks bleak. I get it. And I don't disagree. But at the same time, we've got to realize you know what? Who we are. We still have a godly heritage as the sons and daughters of God. That's a biblical statement. We still have opportunity and obligation. And with blessings come responsibility, Eldon. Yeah, and, and really it takes people getting involved. It takes people educating themselves and organizing to educate others. Uh, in the congressional district, if you have 200,000 votes that you can swing, if you have the ability to do that, basically that means that you're choosing who becomes the next congressman, congresswoman in that congressional district. Uh, we found in the past with the John Birch Society that uh, if you have even 500 people in a congressional district working in a concerted action to educate the voters 
uh, on good principles of government, how their uh, congressional representatives stack up to that uh, to that idea, then uh, you are able to actually have a constitutional uh, constitutional minded uh, representation in Congress. Uh, obviously, we need more of that right now, but uh, that's something that um, that they can't overcome with with big money. Uh, they can't overcome with just a bunch of rhetoric and a bunch of uh, advertisement uh, among the people. If the people are sufficiently educated, they will be able to see through the rhetoric, and uh, that's that's something that's quite powerful. Now I mentioned many times, Eldon and uh, Stuart Rhodes agreed with me on this yesterday, and I want to get your take and Sheriff Max take. You know, we always want uh, to go the furthest away from the people to get the answer sometimes. We want the nine robe judges to save the elections. We want Donald or some president to save the elections or somebody in Congress or in a state. We want to go all the way to the governor or the state courts. or You know, we always go to the least, the smallest group of people the furthest away from the government. I don't know why we do that, uh, but we seem to do that often. We seem to want somebody else to solve our problems for us. But to solve the election issue is very easy. There are 175,000 precincts in America. And if everybody went to their own local small precinct, it's the government that's closest to the people, and said, listen, in our precinct, we're not going to accept, you know what, ballot voting via mail because it jettisons our precinct entirely. It skips it. We're not doing that. We're going to demand that we can count the vote locally in our precinct. We're going to make sure that it can be done transparency, not electronically, where the wizards of tech can, you know, manipulate things. We're going to literally count our votes manually in a transparent, open way where people can see them. We're going to have vote counters who swear under the penalty of perjury. They're doing their very best to get it right. We're going to have vote watchers from all sides of the aisle, whatever that means. In other words, some say bipartisan, but I want nonpartisan. Uh, and we're going to have vote watchers, and we're going to verify our, you know what, our count. We're going to send it up the chain, and we're going to make sure they get it right precinct by precinct. And I think that's the only way we can solve the election fraud problem, because that is where the rubber meets the road in elections. That's where my vote is actually, well, it used to be taken before mail-in vote fraud happened. When we get back, let's uh, hear from you guys on this topic. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Sir Galahad, what seems to be the problem? Well, it's just not working. She's been very unrealistic. Really? Ever since he rescued me from the dragon, we've been drifting apart. That's not true. We were supposed to live happily ever after. Well, this isn't a fairy tale. <laughs> At first, he was gallant and chivalrous, opening doors for me, holding my chair, taking my arm. All right, I'm not as young as I used to be. He simply isn't the man who swept me off my feet. Well, you're not as young as you used to be. <laughs> Mr. Sir Galahad, maybe if you started by just holding Mrs. Sir Galahad's hand when you're together. Really? Yes, try it. Okay. All right, go on. Take her hand. Careful, little oil. Marriage. You're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. From your neighbors, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, look into each other's eyes. That's right. Raise your visor. Oh, the blue dude. Yeah. For more tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org. Can a nation conceived in liberty 
carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? I believe that great nations and great civilizations spring from a people who have a moral compass. I don't think a civilization can long endure that does not have respect for all human life, born and not yet born. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. And the reason that I say we ought to go to the local level of the precinct, ladies and gentlemen, is because that's the government that's closest to the people. It's also the government that could um, that could let us see what's going on with the votes in a meaningful way. The average precinct, I don't know if you know this, but has about 800 voters in it. And, you know, we only get uh, anywhere from, what, 20 to 40 or 50 percent voting oftentimes, maybe even up to 70 or 80 percent. But you're only talking about, you know what, six, eight hundred at the most votes for precinct. That should be very easy to count in a single evening. If you had five or just say you had eight vote counters and then you had eight watchers, um, you know, two from each segment of society or whatever, and they were all under the penalty of perjury. Uh, you know what? Each one would only have to count about 100 votes. It could literally happen so fast it would boggle your mind. Uh, this is the simplest way, but whenever I bring it up, everybody just goes, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. It'll never happen. Next. And, um, you know, if we have that attitude, if we're not careful, we're going to be a good idea in America. Uh, we can never make it happen next. We have got to have, look, our founding fathers expected us to be engaged and involved in protecting our liberty. And if we don't jealously guard our liberty, who will? If we don't jealously say, you know what, we gave you this authority and you better use it wisely or we're taking it back and insist on it, who will? Okay, so this, these principles are, in my opinion, simple and clear. That is, I think, where we have to go if we truly want uh, to get you know, those who serve us, who will keep their oaths of office, etc., Eldon. That's the only real way that I can see it happening. Your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the points that in one of our videos, Overview of America, makes is uh, very good. It says, the essence of freedom is the proper limitation of government. Now, when it comes to voting, the proper limitation of government means that we at least should have basic safeguards that the election is what it says it is, a legitimate representation of the, uh, the will of the voters. And if we don't have that, then, of course, we don't have the proper limitation of government. We've got some other uh, corrupted form of that, and voting uh, the process becomes just a, uh, a another form of revolution. Uh, that's what we don't need. So the left always says that the, basically they imply that the essence of freedom is the being able to vote and to you know choose with basically democracy. Uh, that's not real accurate either. But certainly elections are important. And if we're going to have election integrity, uh, certainly we need to get rid of something like ballot harvesting, where people go to your door and say, hey, you haven't turned in your absentee ballot yet. Uh, can I help you out with that? <laughs> or mailing everybody a ballot when that, that just uh, makes it very difficult to 
to recognize whether or not there's um, uh, a good voter rolls because dead people and people that have moved have gotten ballots, and then who knows who cast those ballots. All right, so what all does the JBS suggest we do to demand election integrity? I've given you my idea, sir. Yeah, you mentioned a couple things that we certainly agree with. Um, if if you go to jbs.org, click on uh, Act Now, there's on federal alerts, there's one. The federal alerts say, okay, ask your congressman to get rid of the Health Medical Vote Act, which uh, pressured all these uh, uh, local precincts and things to get all, all these voting machines when uh, they didn't know the security of them. Also, the uh, Motor Voter Act, as it's commonly called, to repeal that uh, because it forces um, the state to register people to vote when they get their driver's license and apply for public assistance. Uh, so that's that's something to avoid. Uh, on the state level, of course, it would be uh, some of these other things that we've we've talked about and uh, getting rid of uh, same-day voter registration, uh, uh, early voting, things of that nature. Um, so I'd certainly encourage people to go on there and, and read the, more of the details. There's kind of a longer list on the state level. Um, not having online voting, of course, we wouldn't want that, right? Um, making sure that we vote at the precinct level that's actually counted and posted publicly, um, you know, right at the precinct rather than going to some central place to be counted and unobserved. We've got to be able to have the ability to observe the counting of ballots uh, in a meaningful way. So all of those things would be um, an improvement. And just little by little over the last 40 years, those things have been chipped away. So there's all these different, you might say, holes in the bucket that leak out um, and make, make for a corrupted election and opportunity for corruption. Amen to that. Sheriff, do you want to add to this? I think there's a lot we can do, but, you know, people have got to get engaged, my brother. Well, I, I think it's uh, one mistake that a lot of us have made um, is that we say by the consent of the governed. And people start thinking, oh, good. They, they're supposed to do whatever I say. They're supposed to do whatever we want. They're supposed to give us stuff whatever we want, whenever we want. And that's not what it says at all. It says deriving their just powers. In other words, their lawful constitutional powers and the consent of the governed can never go outside that. As a matter of fact, if the, the people ask their public officials to do something outside the Constitution, we cannot do it. We, and and the point there the is, hey, even if the wolves want the sheep for dinner, uh, that's a right. no-no. Exactly correct. All right, because that's what a republic is. Democracy says they can do what they want if they have the majority. A republic says, wait a minute, no, hold on, there's moral law here, and there are checks and balances here, and you don't just have unbridled ability to do whatever you want just because you think the majority or the will is with you. Um, there are checks and balances on uh, everything that we hold dear. All right. Anyway, I, I wanted to mention that because I think we really need to understand what is our role. And Stuart Rhodes and others have been saying we've got to prepare and work at the local level. Nobody's going to protect us physically uh, or our elections or anything else without our direct, clear involvement. All right. Should we or will we ever give Joe Biden credit for anything? It's kind of an interesting question for conservatives, isn't it, Sheriff? 
Yeah, that's a real good question. I, I've been thinking about that for a long time because he's been there like 45 years or so. And, oh, longer. And I've tried to see. <laughs> and I've tried to see what he's done. And uh, it's basically what he's doing right now, destroying uh, all the good that we've had uh, erected the last four years. He's destroying uh, the Constitution. He's destroying unity, which he's called for. What is he doing? What has he done once to create unity or to exercise some sort of semblance of trying to unify us? Unifying means you're bringing everybody together and listening to all sides. I have never seen him do that once. Very scary. Is there anything we can give Joe Biden credit for, Eldon? Well, I did think of something. Uh, the other day, Joe Biden was asked if, what his position on impeachment was, and he said that's something for Congress to deal with, <laughs> which is actually constitutionally correct. He didn't, you know, fan the flames and put uh, put gasoline on the flames at the very least and say, you know, I, I think uh, we ought to throw out uh, or, you know, convict uh, Mr. Trump. So that's at least, you know, something. Although I'm sure if he were in the Senate, he'd vote to um, convict Trump of uh, all of this nonsense that they're accusing him of. But um, So that that's something. Hey, can you think of anything, Sheriff? Uh, I think uh, uh, that was a stretch. <laughs> 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 but uh, because, uh, I'll tell you, he could have done just, he could have done the other way and said, look, I... Uh, Trump is gone. Uh, this is not necessary. It's a little bit overkill and beating a dead horse. And we need to get on to taking care of the business for the American people. I would have liked to have seen that. I, I'm glad he didn't come out with a knife uh, and, and want to help him. But uh, that's probably the only time he's ever said called it correctly. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen him take the high road and say, look, uh, we got rid of Trump. We won. And uh, he, why don't we let him go off into the sunset? But no, he didn't do that either. Well, now the question is being asked, believe it or not, even by some Democrats. Hey, will Joe Biden pardon Donald Trump? And even no. Democrats, uh, some of them are saying yes. No, he won't. Biden says that he won't, by the way. Well, no, be very surprised won't. if he did. I would be shocked if he did. However, um, you know what? The only article of impeachment that they've got now is that Trump created an insurrection uh, at the Capitol. In other words, he, uh, what, created violence or whatever. Um, I don't believe that that sticks, though. I don't believe there's any evidence whatsoever uh, that Trump is responsible for the violent acts uh, that occurred. And so, you know what? What's going to happen if they... Impeach Trump, convict him on the impeachment. He's already out of office, so that won't matter. But does they can't it convict him. They can't? No. Why? The votes aren't there. They don't have enough. Ah, you think? Mm. The Republicans will sell you out in a second, buddy. They'll sell your mother down the river, <laughs> Sheriff. Hang tight now. Let's talk about it. Listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News. A TV icon passing away. Former CNN host Larry King died this morning in an L.A. hospital at the age of 87. King hospitalized weeks ago after getting the coronavirus. No cause of death revealed. He hosted Larry King live for 25 years on CNN until 2010. But that didn't even account for half of his 63-year career that spanned radio, television, and the Internet. President Biden sharing a grim COVID forecast. He says yesterday the U.S. could have another 200,000 COVID deaths over the next few months. That would bring our death toll to over 600,000. Meanwhile, his latest plans for economic relief focused on the poor. Biden yesterday signing two executive orders, one expanding food assistance, the other calling for stimulus checks for those who don't make enough to file taxes. He says his relief plan will get us back on track quicker. With our American Rescue Plan, our economy would return to full employment a, a full year faster than without the plan. Biden adds how we respond to this crisis is a reflection of our values, and we have to act now. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change, not like this, not since I've been on balance of nature. I used to take prescription medication for uh, muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I would have started it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give Balance of Nature any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time, and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen up. I mean, I'm over 50, and, you know, your body starts wearing down. But Balance of Nature has literally changed my life. It really has. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. Less than a week into his term, President Biden's policy is already leading to a lawsuit. Tim Berg has more. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit Friday to block President Biden's new order, halting almost all deportations for the next 100 days, accusing the new administration of overstepping executive powers. Paxton's lawsuit is one of what's likely to be a stream of litigation against Mr. Biden's early moves. Former President Trump faced a similar swarm of lawsuits from Democrat-led states during his term, particularly on immigration matters. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. As for former President Trump's legal issues, Democrats are apparently facing an uphill fight to get Trump convicted in his upcoming impeachment trial. It would take 17 Republican senators to join all 50 Democrats to convict Trump, but CNN reports only a handful of GOP senators may do so. The trial is set to start February 9th. This is USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, believe it or not, Eldon Stahl with me, Richard Mack with me. Believe it or not, Senate leaders are now agreeing to a delay the trial of Donald Trump. The plan would put off the, quote, historic proceeding till February the 9th. Is that an effort to eventually wiggle out of this thing and push hard to make sure that uh, no one really looks into vote fraud and now that that's behind us, no one's talking about vote fraud, really, at least on a national level where it might, uh, you know, grow legs or sprout wings. Uh, now they're going to back off and go, well, Donald's a, an idiot. But, hey, he didn't lock up Hillary. We better return the favor there, gentlemen. Um, is this an attempt to do that? What do you think? 
Hard to know. I I, I think it's probably uh, it can be used by the opponents of of uh, I guess convicting Trump to try to drum up votes if they have enough time to do that. I personally hope that this uh, trial drags on and on for months in in a sense because in the House they never had any committee hearings, no testimony, nothing. Of course not. They don't need that. He's a criminal, man. Shut him up. Put him yeah, away. Come was, on. At the time, they're saying, "Oh, he's such a existential threat. We have got to." Uh, move on this just within days and and uh, impeach him and send these articles over to the Senate on on and on. Uh, of course, none of that was the case. But uh, if if the chance is given to present evidence and uh, cross-examine and things for uh, you know, and this drags on for a while in the U.S. Senate, um, I think it's going to reveal that there's absolutely nothing, nothing of substance to the uh, uh, accusation. Well, and what it might do, though, is it might bog down the Senate and bog down Joe Biden so much that Joe Biden changes his mind and pardons him and or the Congress critters get, uh, they start to expend too much political capital on it. And uh, they might jettison the plan and say, you know, we appreciate this, but man, it's going to make us look horrible in history. We're going to pay it. The payback has already started uh, with the abuse that they've been given to Donald Trump uh, already. But here's the question for you. Is Trump guilty? of a single charge of incitement of an insurrection for his alleged role at the U.S. Capitol? That's a very serious question that we, the people, need to kind of think about. Sheriff? Well, yeah, uh, I've listened to the things that Trump said during his speech, and he did invite the crowd and suggest that they go over to the Capitol. Uh, But he never suggested that they... Uh, break the windows, uh, go in, riot, tear up everybody's uh, offices, uh, nor anything of the sort. As a matter of fact, anybody who thinks he did uh, is either a liar or an idiot, because what would Trump hope to gain by saying, yes, go over there and tear up the U.S. Capitol? Uh, That'll get our message out to these people, and it'll save my election. Uh, well, and, and, and over the last the four years, if I was an attorney pleading huh. for Donald Trump or in, in behalf of Trump, I would say, look, over the last four years, the only people that have been committing violence for the most part are extreme wackos on the right and on the left. Uh, there's good people on both sides. President Trump tried to highlight this reality and calm everything down by saying there's bad guys and good guys on both sides. They slaughtered him for it. But over the fast four, last four years, he's been talking about being the rule of law. Um president being the guy that wants to settle everything down and and have peace and so i would submit to you that the last four years stand as a testament against but, the suggestion uh, that he incited a, a riot and or a an insurrection totally but uh, i also totally agree with eldon on that trump could make this so onerous and so uh boring uh and and just delay and delay and delay. have this go on for months and months I mean, for the next six months, they could be, he could just tie up Congress in this thing, and um, that would play into his hands. And, and, and we could, make, we could help make that happen as well. Oh, yeah, because I think it has to go back. It would have to, I think the Senate and, and, and his attorneys would say, there's nothing that the House did properly on this, and first got to send it back. We don't, mind, we don't mind the impeachment, 
But let's make sure the House does it correctly first. Well, and when you send it back, you guys are going to have to debate it. You guys are going to have to not just draw out this line that said Donald was possibly involved in a maybe an insurrection alleged thing. You got to deliver along with your article of impeachment evidence to why you voted in the affirmative to send it to us in the first place. Uh, We expect you to deliver this uh, indictment, if you will, this impeachment uh, with evidence. And they haven't done that either. Well, they don't, and it's 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 a farce, and the whole thing is going to – and if he can present that – and not only that, when he gets in there, he can show all the comments by the left, governors and others, who promoted violence during the last six months in Portland, Seattle, New York, and – And by and the so way, on. those comments from the left, Maxine Waters, literally attack everybody that's conservative in restaurants and everywhere. And Yes. Okay, yeah. Barack Obama in 2008 saying we're going to raise a citizen's army. Yeah, use the word army right. there. I don't know. That gets pretty militant there, buddy. Okay, and, and they can use – and that's why I kind of think they're talking big now, but eventually I think they'll probably back off this one, Sheriff. I don't yeah, know how it will be sidestepped, yeah. but they will. Democrats better be careful what they ask for because they might just get it, and they are—they're not going to like it at all. Well, and what's going to happen to the people? I'm not agitating or agitating or pushing for any violence, but what are the people going to do if the Senate literally, through their hypocrisy, convicts Trump on this, uh, and then they, you know, say you're subject to criminal proceedings because they're not just saying he was a bad guy and people thought about what he did and did bad stuff. They're literally saying. Is Trump guilty of a single charge of incitement of insurrection? That's a different bar, sir. That isn't the same as saying, hey, did Donald stir people up and they went and busted up a couple of things? We're talking insurrection. They're talking about constitutional repercussions here. Right. Eldon? Yeah. Yeah, well, one thing, of course, that this drags on is it, it will delay or stop Congress from doing other bad things, which they uh, probably have in mind to do. So if you can avoid that, then, okay, get them talking about impeachment and uh, all, all this evidence uh, supposedly that there is or lack thereof. And um, let's let's expose these people for who they are. Yeah, I got to put that dude on C-SPAN and tie up the nation and, you know, this for months and months and months. That's what they uh, usually do or oftentimes do. I think we yeah. need to step back with a little bit of civility here. To everybody and say, you know what, folks, I get that you're frustrated. I get that you feel like your side's been wronged, whatever side you stand with. You feel like your side's been wronged. Uh, But you know what? There are ways to come together. And as Dr. Scott Bradley pointed out on the broadcast with me, I think yesterday, he said this. You know, if we're going to come together on anything, it should be we come together on our oath. Our oath to uphold the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. We don't have to come together on anything else. We can be kind and respectful and disagree. But on that, we swear oaths to come together. And that's what we must do. Uh, do you want to respond to that, Sheriff? I thought it was a pretty good comment. Yeah, I, like that. And I think that goes back to what you said at the beginning, where we started this uh, pro-civility uh, website and push. And we want to make that a movement that goes across the country. That if you really are going to say you're for unity, if you're going to really say that you're for civility, then let's see it. I mean, uh, if it's just that you want civility for your side, well, then we're never going to have civility. We're never going to have unity. If everybody has to come to your side, like Hillary Clinton said, then how did how is that unity? 
And and I totally agree. Every one of you take an oath to the Constitution. Is there anybody that keeps their word on both sides? Maybe that would be a place to unify. Well, and, and that's word. the whole point he was making is that, look, we already agree. We've already unified on that, at least unless you break your oath, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, well, they do that every day. Right. So, Eldon? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's uh, Congress is basically um, it's dominated by the partisanship right now. So people think in terms of partisanship often more than they do about uh, whether or not the Constitution allows this or that. But uh, certainly if we could insist that they honor their oath, uh, that would be something to unify around. The thing with that Biden is pushing for as far as unity reminds me of this meme I saw with uh, it had uh, Thanos from the uh, the Avengers movies, you know, and he, he says, now that I'm president and after I've obliterated half of humanity, I'd like to call for unity. Uh, this is kind of the <laughs> <laughs> approach that seems to be uh, taken here. Uh, not exactly uh, something in good faith. Amen to that reality check. All right, this is an interesting new poll that just came out that I want to bounce off you guys. Speaking of civility and and how we go about this and everything else, listen to this. A majority of Americans see their fellow citizens as the biggest threat to America's way of life. That's according to a CBS News poll. When we get back, we got two topics to finalize. One, this idea of the majority of Americans see their fellow citizens as the biggest threat to their way of life. Uh, what do you think of that comment? What do you think is the biggest threat to our way of life? Uh, and then we're going to talk about Richard MacMaid, the Christian Science Monitor. you got to dig that, or do you? We'll talk about it. Liberty Roundtable Live. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. 
vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. All right, so according to CBS NBC poll, the majority of Americans believe that, well, their fellow citizens is the biggest threat to America's way of life. Sheriff, you first. What do you think of that? The propaganda scheme that's been working uh, with the media. Okay, so you think uh, that's propaganda? Yeah, I think some of it is. Uh, you, you know, uh, I think it's also the distrust that has been put out there since all this violence started. Uh, because I don't even think uh, that is close to the truth. Uh, what I think is the truth is the division between the Democrats and the Republicans and the hate that they've caused and the hate that they've promoted and the fear-mongering that they've uh, perpetrated uh, on the American people. Uh, the fear-mongering, we always know, uh, uh, we've known that it always works, uh, especially people in the media and, and government both. When they get together, uh, they can make black look white and white look black, and the American people will look up at a, a pure white cloud and say, man, that cloud is black. Because of the fear-mongering and the propaganda schemes and the brainwashing, that will happen. All right. What and do you think the biggest threat is? I think it's a, the federal government. All right. Eldon, you're up. What do you think is uh, – one, what do you think of the statement that, hey, your fellow citizens are the biggest threat to your way of life? That's what the majority of Americans believe, according to the latest poll. Uh, Sheriff Mack thinks a lot of that's propaganda. Uh, but w- what do you think of that, number one? And number two, what do you think the biggest threats are? Yeah, I would agree with Sheriff Mack. A lot of that is the propaganda kind of agitating the people against each other to distrust. Um, the it kind of brings to mind, though, uh, another another thing. I read the book The Law by Frederick Bastier a while back, and he was trying to rebut the socialists at the time in 1850 in France. But he said that basically in society we have three different choices of how we're going to live. Nobody plunders anybody. Everybody plunders everybody, or some people plunder other people. So uh, which way are we moving with that if we're moving toward democracy and socialism in in the United States? um, I think we're moving towards everybody plunders everybody, and we're starting to see that, especially with these stimulus types of things. If we just, you know, uh, basically use the government as a way to transfer wealth and all that, and and, uh, that's that's some, uh, you know, that's not healthy. (laughs) <laughs> Amen to that. Now, Richard Mack basically said that it was propaganda. And I think he's right. You got basically a CBS mm-hmm. news poll. And I think that CBS is interested in propaganda for sure. Uh, so to me, it all depends on how the questions were asked and everything else. But I don't think your neighbor is your enemy. I think that's a lie. And I think that just shows how well government, the mainstream press, has done their work to create us all into panic and fear and have us pitted against our neighbors and, and stuff like that. I think, personally, the biggest threat to the American people is this idea that, uh, you know, we can look to government for everything and not God. Okay, the only reason government would be the biggest threat is if we give government that much power by looking to government instead of God. I believe that's the biggest threat we face. 
Yeah, there's a lot of threats. Um, I would say morality, the lack of morality in the breakdown would, would be a very large threat to our republic. Uh, certainly the growth in government and uh, the machinations of people that I would call them conspiring or conspirators against our liberties, uh, that's a very large threat. And, of course, part of their tactic has been de decreasing morality uh, among the growth of government, the federal government. So um, I guess it's hard hard to say exactly what's the biggest threat, but all those things are interconnected. Yeah, as Kirk Cosby would say, it's a target-rich environment, baby. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, the good Sheriff Richard Mack makes the Christian Science Monitor. We want to talk about this, Sheriff. Well, it was a huge article, and the article was uh, all about uh, the police, uh, law enforcement that went to the state capitol for the problems there, um, for the raid, the riot, whatever you want to call it, uh, the violence, uh, they pointed it out that there were sheriffs and law enforcement on both sides, and kind of like the badge versus the badge thing. And then they brought up some truth, and I don't even know where they got this, because they didn't call me. Uh, they did not get this directly from me. It, it almost sounds like the interview I did with um, uh, the German newspaper I told you about out of Frankfurt. But it says this. Among those who didn't go to Washington last week was former Sheriff Richard Mack of Arizona's Graham County, the founder of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Now they're quoting me. I was browbeat for not going. But I just had a bad feeling about it, says Mr. Mack. The bottom line is a lot of people are frustrated in this country, and I understand that frustration. And that frustration comes from both Republicans and Democrats making a mockery of our Constitution. But I will never support violence. And my message remains the same to all police and all military. Keep your oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. That's how we will fix this problem and restore peace. And for the Christian Science Monitor to be that correct and to tell the truth, even though they, they interview some self-appointed expert about this whole thing uh, afterwards that kind of denounces the constitutional sheriff movement, that it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, you know, people who disdain our Constitution are always afraid and want to promote that propaganda that the Constitution is to be feared. Or officials and sheriffs in this country that support the Constitution are somehow dangerous to America. See, but I still really appreciate the Christian Science Monitor. I've been interviewed by them several times. I read that uh, quite a bit in my political science class in college. But they are very left-leaning, and I really appreciate their honesty in, in that report uh, about me and about the CSPOA and um, about how we feel about violence and how we, how, what the solution is. And, and I really, really like the article. Now, I'm a little disappointed, though, that they didn't call you to get a little more detail and clarification, etc., uh, because yeah. then it, you would be able to say, you know, we're working on, believe it or not, a call for civility. civility plan and i wrote an article i'm and i'm i'm not saying i'm important in the cspoa but i am the operations manager i'm involved day-to-day -day, probably more than anybody else 
Uh, and I would say this, you know, I wrote an article in 2015 called A Clarion Call for Civility. We've been calling for this for a long time, Sheriff. This isn't like Johnny come lately, oh, Biden's calling for unity, so now we're going to call for this. We've been at this for a long time. I wrote my article literally six years ago, sir. Yeah, I remember your article, and I think you ought to resurrect it and uh, put it on uh, your show and on your website and let me put it on our website and, and uh, let's get it out there. Uh, amen. Uh, anyway, I bring that up because I think it's critical that people understand what we're calling for, what we're doing, uh, and then they can understand that we are not a threat and let them think for themselves and evaluate the points that we're making and the solutions uh, we are providing. I think that's really, really important. Before the end of the hour, I want to mention this. Not only do I want to give a shout out to the Christian Science Monitor. Uh, thank you. Um, and I think that they ought to interview a people, uh, some people surrounding Mac. Okay, what is it like to work with Richard Mack day in and day out every day? Um, you know, is he a, a threat or a concern? And I think those who know Mac best, who have looked him in the eye and been able to shake his hand and everything else, can clearly tell you what's on his mind and can clearly tell you what he's been doing and advocating for. Uh, the CSPOA just wrote, now listen carefully, the CSPOA just wrote right before, you know, the Capitol event or whatever you want to call it, right? An article that says, let us do nothing to play into their hands. Let's allow for a peaceful transfer and then be ready to create constitutional remedies at the local level. The CSPOA has always taken a nonviolent approach regarding the movement for freedom. It doesn't get simpler and more clear than that, Eldon. Yeah, and I, John Birch Society has also for, um, wanted nonviolence, uh, never advocated, uh, pick, you know, let's go pick up our guns and storm on Washington or something like that. That's always been uh, just a, a terrible tangent for people to get involved in uh, because it just goes nowhere. Um, we're, it, that's not a productive way of activism to do that. Now, that Eldon, are you aware that the CSPA got death threats for the peace press release? I didn't know that. Uh, I you know that's that's very unfortunate. Uh, uh, it kind of in uh, in good company at least because you know when when Kennedy was shot, uh, people were accusing the John Birch Society of uh, instigating that, and the brick was thrown through the window, and there was uh, uh, bullet holes going through the um, uh, the office down in Phoenix at the time back in the '60s. So uh, they'll they'll try to incite people against any anybody that's good and trying to uphold the Constitution. It says the CSPOA is dedicated to finding and exhausting all peaceful means possible to restore liberty to our great country. We are asking for calm and that all Americans stay home from any rallies or protests on Inauguration Day. We certainly do not support any armed protests. Let us do nothing. Anyway, it goes on. But all I'm telling you is we got literally death threats and attacks for trying to put forth the olive branch of peace. <laughs> And then, yeah, how dare we, you? then we as Trump, <laughs> to some degree, Trump supporters, we're not the never Trumpers. We're not the always Trumpers. We're the when Trump's right Trumpers, I guess you would say. Um, then we get attacked like that with threats of violence and, and death. Wow. It's amazing, Sheriff. Yeah, it is. Um, when, my, when my wife uh, told me about some of those, uh, because she was getting those during the day because I was off at some other meetings, it was really astonishing that uh, it, it, it supposedly came from pro-Trump people that you know were complaining, why aren't you supporting the, the violent overthrow of America because the election was just 
uh, stolen. And so I don't support violence. And, and you promoting that is wrong and counterproductive. And, and Trump would probably tell you the same thing. Stay home and leave people alone. And let's let's fight for this in peaceful ways. This is a, a Gandhi movement. Uh, and I and I really love uh, the movie Gandhi. And people need to watch that. And then come back with us with some more uh, reasonable solutions. All right. There you have that, ladies and gentlemen. The final seconds of the program. Headline says, Joe Biden admits nothing we can do to change the trajectory of, of the pandemic. COVID-19. Wow. Yes. Do you want to? I, I couldn't agree with that or disagree with that more, Sheriff. He blamed he blamed Trump for 200,000 deaths. And now he's going to double that. Uh, and, and he's going to say there's uh, nothing we can yeah, do. There's plenty we can, we can do. do about we it. can start by telling the truth, number one. Number two, we can start by uh, opening up the economy so we don't trash the economy and become a socialist um, nation over it. There's a ton right. we can do, Sheriff. And to suggest there's nothing we can do, we can pray to God Almighty for protection and peace. But admitting we can do nothing to change the trajectory of the pandemic? Yeah, Trump called for prayer and national prayer. Let me see Trump do that, or uh, Biden do that. Come on, Joe. Final word to you, Eldon. Well, if there's nothing we can do, he seems to be trying to do a lot of things that are increasing his power in government. So why doesn't it just get off our back? Yeah, why don't we just send him over? If there's nothing we can do, we don't need him, do we? (laughs) All right, just saying. Thanks for being alongside for the ride, gentlemen. Two hours of hard-hitting, hopefully educational talk radio. We do want to make a difference, folks. We do care about God, family, and country. We do want to protect life, liberty, and property. Eldon Stahl, jbs.org, thenewamerican.com. The good Sheriff Richard Mack, cspoa.org. That's the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. And I, Sam Bushman, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States.